Welcome to the C Word that can serve this podcast. Today we're talking about aches and pains. I'm Jenny Mathiason, an objects conservator based in Camarthenshire. And I'm Chloe Ramsey, an objects conservator based in Greater Manchester. Welcome everyone. Hello. Hello. So hello, we're hello. already sort of shaking out our creaky necks and uh, <laughs> stiff fingers and uh, feeling a bit sore here yeah. and there. Uh, we are joined by a lovely guest host. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Hello. Uh, my name is Emma Lacornu. I'm a paper conservator. Currently, I'm working at Manx National Heritage on the Isle of Man. I'm also a yoga teacher. I teach yoga to my colleagues. Amazing. And I'm just a general movement and yoga nerd. Wonderful. Amazing. Oh, it's the perfect Venn diagram. I feel like maybe maybe more conservatives could do with being a little bit more into movement. <laughs> well, yeah. This episode sort of came about because mm. I have loads of aches and pains. Mm. And most recently, Chloe's had some aches and pains oh. too. <laughs> so it just seemed like a good time to talk about it because I feel like... It did. I feel like we can't yeah. be the only ones, you know? Yeah. Conservatives do a lot of fiddly patient work and sometimes it just wrecks us <laughs> i've seen at least two other conservators in a wrist brace in my experience at work mm-hmm. yeah just as an example so chloe what's happened to you recently <laughs> well i was gonna say you and i jenny we've both tried to do youtube yoga challenges together oh. haven't we we've we've tried to kind of hold each other accountable and say okay so we're gonna yoga with adrienne uh we're going to do one of the challenges we're going to do mixed you know, success keep up to do, mixed, <laughs> mixed success and it's been fun but i'm very interested in your yoga teaching talking about how that helps us and stuff like that at the moment so I've got this really big project mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm doing something very, 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 very repetitive. Mm. Um, I'm, should I describe what I'm doing? Is anyone describe it? Yeah. Um, I'm, so I've got a textile, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I've got a banner. <laughs> it's silk. And on top of that silk is another piece of silk. It's a silk support that was applied with Moalith. Possibly in the 60s, I don't know, ages ago, it's completely failed, but also somehow also extremely well stuck. (laughs) And so I'm sliding a scalpel in between two extremely fragile pieces of silk. And the strongest part of this whole situation is the glue, uh, typically. Um, (laughs) So I've got about two and a half to three meters square of this to do and i can at uh, the most i can get <laughs> off five centimeters square at a time picking away at it with a scalpel it is the worst it's also extremely high i was gonna say stress but it isn't because it's quite cathartic mm. <laughs> i am actually <laughs> loving it but there are deadlines involved but there are deadlines involved and it, it's so so easy to catch the silk mm. or just not be able to do it so my hand is under huge tension all the time i'm extremely (laughs) right-handed absolutely i may as well not have a left hand as far as my use of it is concerned and i've just given myself what i've self-diagnosed as carpal tunnel syndrome Mm. oh but basically that's a long way to say that and for people who don't know what carpal tunnel is what is what, what does that mean what happens to you 
Uh, uh, well, I suppose it's also called repetitive strain injury. Mm, yeah, it is a type of that. Um, I have not been to a doctor's. I did tell myself that I would go to a doctor's before recording this episode, so I had a professional <laughs> uh, to talk to the professional's opinion. But I did talk to my aunt, who is a physiotherapist, and she was like, "Yeah, sounds like it." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a swelling of the wrist that pinches a nerve Ooh. that causes pain and numbness and tingling in the hand. And when it sort of flared up suddenly, it was going for a bit and I gave myself a break. I thought I'd be sensible. I'd do something else for a bit, a couple of days. And then I went back to it, did only an hour or mm. two. And by the time I got home, I couldn't feel two of my fingers. <laughs> I mean, that's not good. No, it is not. And I couldn't pick up my phone Oh, oh wow. that's not ideal. It really isn't. No, when I, I wasn't even halfway down the, the banner at the time thinking, oh, God. I mean, so I... <laughs> progress aside, it's not good that you feel that way under any circumstances. Let's be fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it's such a common thing mm. that, I mean, I, I knew... All of the internet, it seems, says, oh, it's really difficult to treat because it takes so long. So you've got to change what you're doing. And my partner was saying, oh, it's like with typing. You've got to change your action. You've got to, you know, can you do it differently? Like, no, I can barely do it at all. (laughs) In terms of fine motor skills, I'm really on the edge there of being able to do it at all. I cannot change the action. Um, So I dashed out late at night in the dark and the rain to go to all of the pharmacists that were open in the local area or the the closest town city that there was um and finally found a wrist brace which helped Mm. unbelievably Mm. just wearing it it, i was i could you know even the afternoon of the second of the day after i was my hand was fine i just kept it on so it was really good that that worked (laughs) but yeah did rely on being able to pick one up and stuff and that that just mm-hmm. made me really think god what we do is so it can hurt us mm. yeah no absolutely i wrote down our experiences on the mind map and then uh, i did sort of a drawing of myself and just wrote just generally broken which is <laughs> how i feel <laughs> For anyone who's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm young and fit and this doesn't apply to me. Oh, honey. <laughs> I did this early in my career. It was like 2013, 2014 mm. when yeah. we were doing a really intense job together. We were. Um, yeah, we were. And uh, basically what started happening was that I was, I was doing this one strenuous thing with really bad posture. I mean, I could totally see why this was not good. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, <laughs> it's like, this was not a good idea. But, you know, young and keen and, oh, it's like my second job ever. I need to put in all the hours and do all the things and never, never take a break. (laughs) Bad idea. Super bad idea. Uh, But basically what happened was that from shoulder down all the way to the fingertips was just tingly numbness, like pins Mm. and needles. It was not good. Uh, Just on one side, of course, because I am right-handed, so good times but it was very uncomfortable and basically i went to the gp in a panic like what is wrong with me what have i done (laughs) (laughs) and they were like well that's a repetitive strain injury so (laughs) we're gonna send you to physio (laughs) and i had a very nice time at the physio where they were basically trying to like manipulate my arm and figure out which bits pinched where and what they could do I went for like a massage a couple of times where they like tried mm. to work out different mm. muscle knots. So that was good. Uh, but then obviously you can only have so many like 
sessions or treatments or whatever and then you sort of mm-hmm. sent sent away with like some like home exercises that i am moderately good at doing <laughs> moderately mm. sometimes more than others i should be more consistent in my self-care is what i'm learning but yeah basically it just means that now i sort of always have this like it's not like it's always mm. flaring up but it's something i always have to be aware of so that one time of working too hard and not taking good care of myself resulted in sort of an mm. early onset yeah. of something that probably affects a lot of conservators so mm. you know beware young people don't do that to yourselves it doesn't matter that you want to be keen and like look like you're the best worker ever like just jesus take a break and also look at your posture because i'm bad at that <laughs> <laughs> that's it like, those are the lessons listen listen to mama jenny <laughs> i'm serious i'm very serious but then like years went by and I just sort of managed this on my own. And then I talked to a friend who works in collections care and she said that she's got a lot of um, trouble with like neck and arms and stuff. Because at that point I also had like sort of neck and upper, mm. like just in general upper body sort of crunch, you know, because you do a lot of like mm. being uh, curled up in weird positions because sometimes you're not at a bench. Sometimes you're on the floor or sometimes you're mm-hmm. in an object hanging underneath something yeah, exactly or inside something we do crazy stuff as conservatives don't we <laughs> and she was like have you tried sports massage and i was like i have never tried sports massage i have never gone for like a non-medical massage in my life and i do not know that i want to and then it was like a religious epiphany where it's just like Aah. yeah <laughs> so it, it sort of became a ass i could afford it because i was working part-time and mm-hmm. like high costs and stuff so it was one of those expensive rare treats but glorious if you can afford them. And if you're, <laughs> you know, they are, they are good stuff. I would recommend them to anyone listening, basically. But yes, so that's sort of my little journey into brokenness. <laughs> <laughs> now, Emma, I would love to hear from you because I originally invited you because I saw your Twitter paper in 2019 and I loved it so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I did that with a friend of mine and we worked together in a couple of different places and she also describes herself as a a broken person. Her body is broken. And so we used to go to yoga a lot together and she's done yoga for years. I did my yoga training, well, it's about three years ago now. And we, yeah, we just thought this is a good topic to talk about Mm. because, yeah, everyone we meet has got some problem, either work-related injury or just something chronic that gradually comes on and you have no idea where it came from. Mm. And maybe it's from work, maybe it's not. But it's just, I guess, becoming more self-aware, more body-aware, let's say. Mm. And yoga really helps you to do that because you're spending time kind of in strange positions, quite often in slow movements, and you're kind of noticing differences in each side, like one arm is not hurting here but the other one is this hip's really clicking the other one's not so it helps you to really tune in to yourself i'm a paper conservator so i've spent a lot of time doing backing removal in the past which also leads to the repetitive strain injury my first job i was just doing backing removals for about two years and at the time, I guess I was younger then, and at the time I was just like, yeah, whatever, this is great. I'm just <laughs> mm-hmm. going to keep going. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think I've had kind of a lasting, I mean, it's not obviously painful, but I've definitely got more mobility in my left hand than my right, than my right-handed as well. 
So, yeah, I've definitely had general aches and pains kind of all the way through my conservation career, definitely. And also aches and pains that I don't know where they came from. I did physio, but also I've been, I started doing more strength training Mm. along with yoga. And I think that might have helped as well. It's the same sort of thing with me that because I've changed jobs so before when I worked at a museum with lots of big industrial heritage I was lifting stuff all the time Mm. and I wasn't like I couldn't do press-ups for example but my core strength was really good because just even just lifting the lifting equipment is hard work and I was doing it every day all the time And then I started at my current job, which is lots of bench work, not lifting heavy stuff. Mm. Though I want to say at this point that I really, I think there's a lot to be said for how physical conservation is as a job. And it's not, that's not something that's really like talked about, particularly Mm. when you're training, that Mm. you are, the, the number of ways that an injury can mess up your work life, even if it's a, you know, an, an injury you know, in your home life or whatever, we could just put you out <laughs> because you're yeah. constantly using your body for your job. But yeah, so I, I changed jobs, stopped doing essentially the, the strength training that just, you know, day-to-day mm. strength training I didn't even know I was doing. Mm. And I was dancing a lot, which is a different set of muscles mm. and keeping me very flexible. And in my new job, I started getting really bad back pain mm. and coccyx pain and everything. And, and, I went to physio for the back pain in particular and they, basically they said, oh, all your muscles are very tight on, you know, whichever side it is that I favour for the dancing. But also they said that I was very flexible but very weak. So it was like mm. there was no, I'd lost all my core strength but not oh. lost my flexibility. And obviously the flexibility then has gone because <laughs> I've not done any you know anything and I've sort of seized up with it Mm. but there was there was no support there and everything was just kind of sitting on itself and and grinding away and yeah I I then did yoga for a year every day I did the challenges for a year in 2019 and Mm. suddenly my body was fixed and it was (laughs) it was I, I couldn't couldn't believe it and so I feel like the solution to everything is yoga and strength training and and that sort of thing because it it just your body needs muscle to sort of hold itself up that's how we're designed so Chloe and I briefly lived together as well and at that point (laughs) you we sound like the best (laughs) conservation couple ever what I was going to say was that you taught me some, like, just how to shimmy. Yeah. You know, like you do for belly dancing. Yeah, I did. But, like, just teaching me those couple of things made me more aware of, like, posture and muscle mm-hmm. control in a way yeah. that I was really weirded out by its time because I was like, what? Do I even have muscles there? I didn't even know I could use that bit. Ooh. Um, but like, it was just really strange to like discover yeah. that Cause at that point well we i would have been what mid-20s probably like yeah. and it's just like how have i not known that my whole life but then i, I have to say I, I was not a physically active child i hated pe all sports with the devil <laughs> yeah yeah i did not do dancing or anything like that so i guess it just took me a really long time to discover those things which is sort of mm. interesting and then 
I sort of rediscovered them when we did yoga. Mm. And I find it fascinating how aware I became of my own body just from doing a couple mm-hmm. of yoga things. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's weird how much it changed about how I thought of myself and how I control my body and mm. how to check in with which bits are extra achy or might be a little bit weird today or where not to put pressure today because I don't mm-hmm. think that wrist will like it today. It's so strange how you can get to know your body via something like yoga. Well, yes, yeah, it doesn't even have to be yoga. A lot of people, no. I think, are a bit skeptical of, of yoga. But it's just mobility, isn't it? It's just moving mm. in different ways that you don't in your day-to-day life whilst focusing on it. So you're moving and you're, you're looking at what you're doing. I've had you know, people in my yoga classes that are so stiff, but just doing that kind of little twist moving the body in a different way it kind of loosens up a lot you know even just doing it once or twice a week you don't Mm. necessarily have to do it every day like my colleagues who come to my yoga classes now they you know one of them says his back pain is less when he does yoga and when he doesn't do it it comes back again and he's Mm. only doing he's only doing it once a week Mm. and that can be enough I guess that's the thing that I really liked about like your Twitter paper because it was like a lot of like bite-sized things, like things you could do at your desk or things you can do just to get up and stretch and like do some hand movements that, you know, just loosen something up. And like, I guess I just really like the bite-sized nature of that. And it reminds me a lot of the stuff that basically the physio told me to do, mm. which is basically just like a set of quick exercises that are just like, okay, do 15 of these, then, you know, go, go back to what you're doing. Like it doesn't have to take forever. It is a break and you are moving your muscles in a different way. Then you can go back to what you're doing. But like, it's all about those little intermissions where you're loosening something up or tensing something differently. Yeah, actually, there was a, there's quite a good podcast I found the other day. Ooh. Just, just one thing. And he had, um, a, a show the other day about that. You call them snacks. So you do, you do little movement snacks throughout the Ooh. day. Oh, I like that. So it's a, it's better than sitting still all day than like going and doing half an hour full-on exercise it's Mm. actually more beneficial to do little bits throughout the day it's better for kind of fat burning as well as keeping you mobile it's better than saving it up to the end of the day or you know just exercising on the weekend but it's just fitting it in and yeah it it can be like two minutes it doesn't even have to be 10 minutes you know you're just getting up doing some squats and then or doing some squats whilst you're waiting for the kettle to boil or something like that. Yeah. If we could find a way of sort of normalizing this, especially for conservatives, <laughs> do squats there for two minutes or like, you know, yeah. everyone get up and shake it out for a little bit. If you're not holding something down and you can leave this for like the next two minutes, then get up and move. <laughs> Just, it's fine. It's good for you. Like it doesn't have to be like, oh, now I have to take half an hour break. Yeah, I think people are still a bit embarrassed about moving or stretching, aren't they, in front of other people? Yeah, and other people's reactions can be challenging. But then once you sort of start normalizing it, people will make fun less or they will realize that actually that's a really good idea. (laughs) They might start joining you. I have a yoga mat in my office. Do you? It's good. And I find myself like even just lying down on it with your knees up. Oh, yeah. Just Mm. to get the kinks out. It really helps. I have like what I find difficult about that, though, is that if I try and stretch various things in my legs or my hips, I can't be wearing a skirt (laughs) because there's windows all over the place. And it's like I can't even. It is. There's things that I sort of 
I think, yeah, I'll, I'll stretch my, like, well, I don't know, hamstrings or something, or I'll just do <laughs> something. And then I'm like, okay, so there's some office buildings right next to the windows. On this oh, side. Okay, man. I'll turn around. Oh, no, that, that's the loo door, and there's a visitor staring at me. Okay, I can't do, I can't do that either. <laughs> and that puts me off. I think my colleagues are fairly used to me complaining about soreness and then attempting to do strange stretches. But I definitely think normalizing it and having sort of stretching and body health awareness things mm. and stuff is really important. You know what that makes me think about? I don't have a yoga mat at work. What I did have is at some point we got back in like an exhibition crate, you know, like one of those specially yeah. made fancy ones that you then have to tear all the inserts out because you're never going to use that. <laughs> you'd use it for that object again, but it might be useful for something else. And you want to mm-hmm. be good and reuse it rather than bin it. So you take all the stuff from the inside of the crate out and you keep the crate in the special crate corner that's like haunted yeah. or something. Um, <laughs> but then, but then there were all these sort of big glued together blocks of like plastisote that were like mm-hmm. quite sturdy. They are great for muscle pain because I can just lie down on a couple of those blocks and put them in the right place. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> like a cheap massage. <laughs> Uh, that's a really good idea. I could use plastisote as my blocks, yeah. So Emma, what led you to yoga? What was it? Were you a bit, were you going with your friend for solidarity or were you a bit sore yourself and thought maybe this would be best? And then what kind of grabbed you for the teaching? Well, I've always done yoga on and off, like since I was 18, I think. So, but I, you know, I would do it and then not do it for about a year or two and then go back to it. So I guess it was, we both liked yoga. My mm-hmm. friend particularly liked it because she, we come from different backgrounds. She comes from like a dance mm-hmm. physical background and I don't, I'm like you, Jenny, like I hated <laughs> sports. I'd do anything not to do sports. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I wasn't like a sporty, dancey, gymnastic-y person, mm. which a lot a lot of people who go into yoga are because mm, yeah. they find it easy because they're flexible and or they're, they've got pains because they, they've messed their body up. So she came from that. I, I was just, I'm generally, I've always been quite a stiff person. I've always been a bit like, you know, like this. She's miming being hunched over, by the way. We're- oh, sorry. <laughs> we all know the pose. We all know we it. We all know the pose. It's called concentration. When your focal point is a, in a specific space and you've got the thing and you just need to like do it and then you slowly start to collapse in on yourself. And somehow you find that your shoulder, like your shoulders are just up there with your ears and you don't know how it happens. Yeah. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard someone describe it as like being like a cashew nut. You become yeah. like, like curved. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I was becoming a cashew nut, so I had to do something about it. And yoga, because it's got all that kind of calming side to it as well. It's not like going to a gym class where you're like a cardio. <laughs> yeah, where you're like pumped. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite of pumped. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't feel like you're doing sports or physical activity. So just the whole kind of atmosphere around yoga also Mm. I was attracted to that because it was calming you do a bit work then you stretch and then you have a nice relaxing bit at the end and you feel all chilled out at the end of it so it's yeah it's not just it has the kind of mind body benefits Mm -hmm. there so and then the teaching because I was actually did my training I was 
working in in Qatar in the Middle East before I came here. And you start work really early and you finish really early. So then you've got this whole afternoon when mm -hmm. you're not sleeping because you're so tired to do <laughs> something. So we were doing lots of yoga and they did teach training. So I signed up for it. They're not really expecting that I would go into teaching it afterwards, but I thought, okay, it's a good thing to do to learn something new, to kind of not get better at yoga, but get at least get a bit more familiar with an the anatomy side of it and all of mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, and then I taught, then I started teaching not very often, you know, once or twice a week. It's really interesting to see the kind of people that come to your classes and why they're wanting to try yoga again. It's, you know, usually pain-related and people mm. don't normally go to other kinds of exercise classes because they're in pain. They normally <laughs> <True>. go. But... <laughs> no. <laughs> I've just remembered that um, a few before the pandemic, um, maybe in 2019, I can't remember, my colleague, um, conservation manager, she organized yoga classes for staff members at the museum. Mm. Oh, that's nice. And I think we did five sessions and everyone really liked it, but it was really difficult to organize because of the room bookings and stuff. And yeah. it was like, well, we're not paying for the room hire. So if the room is hired yeah. out, then you kind of, you don't have the justification to keep it. So you'd have to, to do it again, we'd have to use a space, that, an open space that yeah. everyone could see. And then it's not private. But it's really like the ethos of it, well-being in general is so positive. It's funny because conservatives are so health and safety minded with so many other things, you know, like the chemical yeah, safety exactly. and we've got to wear gloves mm. and we've got to not breathe in mold spores and we've got to not eat as asbestos and, you know, all of those <laughs> things like super good with. And then it's sort of like, but the sort of physical body aspect, we sort of forget and we don't talk about because I desperately mm. try to find people who'd written about this or even surveys mm. that have been done or... Just, just void just like it was oh, just like really? oh people are not really doing much about this which is another reason i wanted to do the episode because it's like mm. i think we need to talk about this guys yeah someone yeah, should do some definitely. probably writing as well but you know what do we think about the management of others in this respect because i noticed Ooh. myself in the run-up to my injury my very recent injury i didn't stop when my hand was hurting mm. but when my colleague who I'm managing said oh I found I had to stop knitting on Friday night because I'm sorry also knitting on Friday night I love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> is that such a conservation cool. mood <laughs> conservative <laughs> mood anyway because her hand was hurting and she thought no no I'm actually just going to rest this for a bit and as soon as she said that I, I was like it worked okay well we're not doing that treatment then for the next two days we're just we're just not going to do it we're mm -hmm. having a rest we're using the weekend as a rest we're using the the next two days as a way of using doing something different I was felt I felt responsible for somebody else's physical well-being interesting okay. but I wouldn't have stopped myself mm. unless I was you know actually out of action which I then ended up being mm. yeah that's a, that's, I feel like there's a lot of psychological stuff there, you know? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah but is this something that we can talk about from a management point of view do you think do you, you know it's interesting because I sort of 
what I wrote on the on my piece of paper was whose responsibility question mark yeah I sort of feel like the because again because we're health health and safety conscious it's so interesting that that's sort of the bit that sort of employers focus on and managers focus on and I sort of wonder why it isn't the same with physical well-being in terms of making sure everyone does take a break or Mm. checking in with people. Are you doing all right? Do you you need to change something? Is it just because that's more of a soft skill and we're sort of not encouraged to do that as much? Or is it because the like legal repercussions are less or is it, it why is it that sort of makes this less of a priority because it's just as important like if you essentially if you're giving someone like a lifelong injury or they end up giving themselves one like it that's not really okay either like that's no more okay than breathing in too much solvents and becoming allergic you know some places do do it's what it's often called occupational health, isn't it? Mm. But it's more to do with your mm. chair set up. Yeah. If your chair, they'll give you a new chair. Yeah. Yeah. People can get that where I'm working. But that seems to be as far as it goes, mm. as far as I've seen, just how to sit at your desk properly. Yeah. yeah. Um, granted, that is important and it is definitely, it can be applicable, of course, because, you know, we do a fair bit of documentation that way as well. And sometimes, you know, we do do sort of, bench work that you can sort of make those sorts of adjustments for like having a better foot rest i foot rest foot rest is good correcting your posture and you know just making those minor adjustments so sometimes they can be applicable but you sort of have to self-apply them Mm. because you're not a traditional Mm. office worker so sometimes it's just like read this read this instruction booklet i can't help you because i don't understand what you do is sort yeah. of often if you're in a bigger organization that can sort of be how it goes which is a bit unfortunate so i there's, there's sort of a gap in the market here for someone who understands what conservatives yeah. do and can go in and sort of just help us a little bit <laughs> if you're looking for a job people and a business idea i've given you on um, yeah. but also maybe you just need someone else to tell you when you're doing too much yeah. so for, for, as a manager as you're telling your employees mm. that they should stop now because yeah it's hurting maybe you just need someone to tell you that yeah so i did mention this to my manager mm. and she she gave me the very the, the wonderful patient look that she gives me when she's about to say you're working yourself too hard Larry. <laughs> um it does rely on one voicing things and paying attention to one's body like we said at the start if you don't say i'm having arm pain or something no one knows I'm not going to say it's easier than, or it's more difficult than mental health. But if someone is acting stressed, you know, you can tell from somebody's body language and the amount of physical work that they have to do, the amount of potential life pressures they've got. If you know that your colleague is somebody who will share things like that, you can sort of say, oh, you you've got a lot on at the moment. Are you doing all right? And I think we are getting better at that. But if you've got a pain in your leg and you don't tell anyone, there's no way that anyone would know unless you're limping. I suppose both are invisible things. Do you know what I mean? And they can both be difficult to express. Yeah, but yeah. I suppose I'm not in any way but, diminishing mental no, no, health. No, 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 of course not. You, but you know. 
it may be that we are becoming more accustomed to spotting the signs of one thing and not the other. Because yeah, I would definitely yeah. say that there are signs for when people are in pain, but they're maybe not realizing it. Mm. Um, and they can be actually remarkably similar to that sort of thing. Like they might be a little bit more short tempered, but they don't haven't worked out mm. why. Yeah, um, and true. that means yeah, that yeah. not be a mental strain, but actually just that they're in pain and they don't really know. They haven't really registered, if you see what yeah. I mean. Or they're not willing to acknowledge it, which growing up with parents with uh, chronic illnesses means that you do become a little bit attuned to, oh, I, yeah. think, I think I will stay out of your way today because you're in pain and you don't know it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so, a really interesting thing to point out, actually, so isn't it? There, there may yeah. actually be signs, but again, we mm. sort of... That's, again, a lot of soft skills, isn't it? And also then yeah. maybe it's not always appropriate to go up to someone and go, I think you're grumpy because you're in pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> might not go over that well sometimes. But. One of the things I was going to say, is, which is a really awkward, horrible thing to do, but is to like photograph yourself or video yourself doing mm. things. Yeah. And then you can really see what's happening. Yeah, That's a really useful tool is to video yourself, either sitting or you know doing something or if you're if you're doing yoga or some kind of posture yeah. that you're not sure about. I would say that actually doing more video meetings has actually helped a lot with like, oh wait, no, I, oh, I'm doing that right. thing again because I'm always aware oh. that I'm on camera. Even if I'm looking at everyone else, I'm like, oh no, I'm doing that thing again. I will autocorrect on the basis of I know that I'm there and I know that I'm doing that thing mm. again where I like scrunch up. And Chloe has seen this particular room that I'm in and I've got a kneeling chair, which is like a ah. rocking kneeling chair. Yeah. And they, it is an absolute godsend. I love this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Those make my feet go numb. Oh, interesting. Mm. Then yeah, I don't know why. Probably need to wander around more. I tried. I think I could last 45 minutes. I mean, that's the perfect amount of time before you need to go and wiggle around. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, maybe we're just too comfortable in our normal chairs. Maybe that's just it. You know, like we're sort of so okay with sitting there for so long that maybe that's not good. Maybe. Anyway, I thought I would ask our nice followers on Twitter for some input. Given that I couldn't find any data other than anecdotal yes. evidence, yes, I yes. thought mm. I'll just throw out the question and see what people say. So I asked three questions. The first one was, how would you describe your physical health? And there were three options. One was fit as a fiddle. The second was some aches and pains. And the third one was actual sounds of agony. <laughs> <laughs> about 74% said some aches and pains now I of course didn't gather up any you know statistical data here on like yeah. ages or anything like that this is purely whoever wanted to vote 18% thereabouts said sounds of actual agony which is wow. you know quite a lot yeah, um, yeah. And then we have around 8% who said fit as a fiddle so I mean I feel like there's definitely like a level there of like People are at least a little bit in pain. Yeah. Sort of shocked that we don't talk more about this because, like, again, like, I feel like we all know people. And, like, just at the moment, this point in time as we're recording this, I can think of three friends who are either taped up <laughs> with, like, the special tape or who are in braces of some description, right? Uh, and and these yeah, and these are people in like their late twenties to like mid thirties. Mm. We're not talking people in their sixties and seventies here. Yeah, these are you know like relatively young people, <laughs> and you know yeah. we're just knackering ourselves. So I'm just sort of thinking that there's a lot here to unpack. Yeah, mm. definitely. And then um, at least one person sort of disclosed chronic illness and sort of, you know, mm. a more detailed reply, basically. Thank you for sharing, by the way. 
The next question I asked was, have you ever injured yourself at work? And here I defined short term as cuts and bruises and long term as something you still feel today. And here, actually, most people said short term only, which is encouraging. Yeah, that's good. Uh, So there we had 79% said short term only, 2% said long term only, Mm. Mm. and almost 16% said yes, both, with only 2.3% saying no, they'd never had any injury at all. I don't know who you people are, but you are like stealthy cats or something. (laughs) What do you do with scalpels? (laughs) How have you escaped? I don't know. I don't know who you are, but well done, I guess. Um, <laughs> so it's actually mostly short term things, which is good. That's, mm-hmm. that's very helpful. Um, although certainly a percentage there are people who had, had a bit of both. Not as alarming there. So it may be that the aches and pains from the previous question are either not work related or not seen as work related. And I don't know which one it might be. Because again, we might mm. not attribute an ache or a pain to something that we're, we've done for work unless we've mm. had maybe an official diagnosis or have been made to go to the doctor by uh, <laughs> that silly manager who keeps insisting that you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, you should go to the doctor. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, and my third question was conservatives with aches, pains and long-term injuries of some sort, have you ever had physical therapy to help you get back to work? Because I was curious how many people might actually go for treatment as opposed to just sort of like, nah, I'll just push through. So the options were yes and still do. That was about 29%. Yes as a one-off. That was another 29%. So it's a tie. Uh, no, but probably should have was 23%. And no, no need at all was about 17%. So it was a tie between yes, still do, and yes, one-offs, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's some level there of ongoing pain management or injury management, which I would say is what I do, for example. I would say that's an ongoing thing that mm-hmm. I yeah, self-manage largely, but it's still something I have to do and I have to be really conscious about. And it's also something I have to be conscious about when I take on a new job, when I quote for a new uh, job or mm. I think about preparing a new you know project for a client where it's like I need to build in time for breaks <laughs> mm-hmm. because I have not done in the past like I'm going to be the first one to like admit that there have definitely been times in the past when I have massively underestimated how long something takes or I've thought I can easily push through this this is not going to cause me that much pain I can do this in six weeks rather than eight uh-uh, that was mm. a bad idea do not do that. Like, yeah. don't. You're hitting um, really close to the bone on that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, know. I know. I know project. I am. But I feel like we all need to hear it. Head in hands. <laughs> Shall I say my current disparity of uh Oh, go time? on. Go on. I will say first that the, the client is very aware of the difficulty in estimating for old conservation removal and has said already don't worry we can adjust the estimate i estimated 60 hours how much are you up to i think as of date of recording 177 (sighs) i'm halfway down (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes guys go absolutely wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah i think okay. everybody would like to hear that because i think people yeah. do struggle in time estimates oh yeah so. yeah i knew it was good i already explained it it might be really difficult it would be really difficult to tell yeah. but i did all of the tests that i did did not indicate 
the problems that we anyway um, anyway sorry physiotherapy yes those are sort of the questions that i asked of our sort of twitter followers and stuff like that um just because i wanted some data mm-hmm. to go on because mm. it's sort of interesting to me that we don't seem to be talking about this and just anecdotally we do seem to know quite a lot of people who are in pain yeah. or temporarily or long term slowly um, breaking themselves by what we do well yeah, yeah. um it's interesting to think about and i would love to see statistics on it i would love to know if it's mm-hmm. if this correlates with like how the economy is going if like the people who are like coming out of university are knackering themselves really quickly or if it used to be that people mm. were knackered later on in their careers because it was a long build-up as opposed to bigger teams so i would be super curious to hear and this sort do of thing. you tend yeah. to have early to mid career conservators doing a lot of the sort of large-scale practical work whilst while Mm. the later career conservators are you know in management and head conservation Mm. positions potentially and then therefore doing more kind of meetings and maybe you know reports and stuff that sort of thing yeah depending yeah yeah interesting to think about and would that then be different Mm. if you're in an institution versus if you're in private practice yeah yeah Um, yeah definitely stuff there guys i really i really want people to do some research (laughs) so emma what can you tell us what can we do how can we help ourselves what can we do at work that uh will help but isn't a full two-hour yoga session well, I've got kind of a top, I had a top three, but it turned into a top eight. Sorry. Love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and shall we set a challenge before you start? Shall we set a challenge? Oh, that we have to try them? <laughs> that we have to try them. Nice. Everyone listening to this. <laughs> you have this, to. I just, you, didn't, you didn't think there'd be homework, did you? <laughs> but there is. So everyone listening to this, have a go. This is the, this is the homework. Have a go. What do you have for us? Okay, well, I've kind of broken it down into parts. So our wrists, they're always a big one. Oh, yeah, bring it. Oh, God, I'll mm-hmm. do it right now. Put your hands together in a prayer position. Mm-hmm. Fingers clipped together or apart? Fingers together. So palms and fingers pressed together. Mm-hmm. So your elbows are kind of parallel to the bottoms of your, to the heel of your hand. Mm-hmm. And then just without separating your hands, just kind of lower the hands down oh like Ooh. towards your belly button Ooh, keep the palms together mm. Ow. wow i am not very bendy like that that's good but then you can transform this into another move so then if you if you keep the hand the palms the hands together move the mm-hmm. hands up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then bring bring your forearms together elbows together yeah so your elbows all the way mm-hmm. up to your up together and then keep the heel of your hands together but take your your hands out like a i don't know a book opening <laughs> topical <laughs> try and kind of reach back with your hands oh ah so this is a strengthening this is more of a strengthening one because you're actively trying to stretch those fingers and then i see yeah you can just you can go between those two moves and you can bring the hands back together and then go down into your stretch ah yeah that's mm. good so you're you're in a like a low prayer belly button level with your palms mm. together and then you're moving your arms up to put your elbows together and then you're opening your hands like a T. If you can go as far as a T. It might be more of a Y. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a Y. <laughs> 
That's quite a nice one. There's also a bit of self-massage, which, you know, you don't need to go and pay for a massage. You can do some yourself. So this one I heard described as you can massage your, like the inside of your forearm. Imagine that you're trying to squeeze toothpaste out of a tube. So you kind of... But the tube is your arm. Okay. Yeah, the, the, t- the tube is your arm. And you're just kind of work from your el- the inside of your elbow in that kind of meaty portion of your forearm. Hmm. Just work with your thumb of the opposite hand. With your thumb, work your way down towards your wrist. Oh. Just do the pressure at your own kind of level of comfort. Yeah. But it's quite a nice oh. yes, that massage. Is good. Everything about Chloe's current expression, dear listeners, is reminding me of the first time I had a, had a deep tissue massage and they went, do, and do you want us to do your arms? And I was like, there is no sane reason why you would do my arms. And they were like, okay, try to relax. And I cried because oh, I had God. no idea how much tension could be in my arms. Yeah. The right is definitely worse than left. Yeah. We are stiff people. I like that one. Yeah. I'll go on to neck. So really, just with neck, it can be as simple as, like, make sure you're sitting up straight. If you've got a back to your chair, you can Mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of use that. Try and imagine that your head is actually over your spine. And then it can be just be just tucking your chin in. So the stretch is targeting the back of your neck. So just sit up, sit up nice and tall and then tuck the chin in. And you may or may not. So it's like double chin kind of time and then come back to neutral then you can just do the other way but be careful you don't kind of compress the back of your neck but we're just going to put the chin up so you can stretch out the front of your neck without crunching the back of your neck that makes me really realize how weak the back of my neck is um and then just turning from so keeping the chin kind of level to the floor just and just looking over one shoulder and then seeing how far you can look over that shoulder. This is such a good, I love this one in yoga, but it hurts me. Yeah. And then just doing the same thing on the other side. So it's just looking over your shoulder, but just trying to focus the movement in the neck. That one used to be really hard for me because I used yeah. to be so much more tensed up that it, I used to have very limited movement towards the right side because I was always so crunched up there, mm. but it's, much better now, I have to say. Oh, well done. Great. Thank you for exercises. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. It's nice when you notice the difference. Mm. Yeah. I'm getting pain in the the shoulder I'm pointing towards as well, like the, the muscle. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you don't expect it. And then there's this the other, we bring your ear to your shoulder. So the same ear to the same shoulder. So then you're kind of getting into the side of the neck. Yeah. You can put, so say you've got your right ear coming down to your right shoulder, you can put your left arm out and you can even like move it a bit and, you know, just Ah. feel where you need it. You can move the arm back or forward a bit. You know, we're all kind of tight in different places, so just kind of find where it feels good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. On the other side. Uh, <laughs> such a good noise, Jenny. <laughs> so then upper back is just doing a simple twist. So trying to keep your hips facing forward, but then 
you can use, I don't have a back to my chair, you can either hold onto the back of your chair or you can bring, so say I'm going to twist to the right, so I can bring my left hand onto the outside of my right leg to help, like a bit of leverage, mm. and then just mm-hmm. bring my, my right hand behind me or gripping onto the chair. So just don't go too crazy, take it easy, but you can always pull yourself a little bit into the twist and kind of aiming for the upper back area, which gets really stiff and then can do it the other way. That the upper back is Mm. all the stuff that we're crunching over, isn't it? Yeah, and it's such an easy one to do in our labs, I think, because you're not Mm -hmm. doing any wide movements. You're just staying in your chair and twisting gently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now feet, this gets a bit more complicated. You might need to take your shoes off. But just having something to like roll your foot on, like a, a a tennis ball. And if you don't have a ball, tennis ball, you could also use like a, a broom handle or something like oh. that and just roll your feet over it. Hmm. So in that kind of the arch of your foot, actually can also get really stiff hmm. and tight and just rolling. It's like, again, it's like a self-massage thing. So the ball mm-hmm. is acting like this, a tennis size ball is the equivalent apparently of a thumb. Can be a, a thumb. Oh, massage. Oh, okay. So the same kind of pressure that you yeah, get. Okay. And then, of course, because you're, you do it sitting, you, you're not, you can kind of control the pressure a bit more. Mm. Yeah. It's really nice. I mean, it can be really painful. It's, it's mm. amazing how little pressure you need on your feet for you to feel a lot. Yeah. But Given if, that you're standing on them all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, your feet kind of need the most care because they're holding you up all day when, mm. when you're standing. Um, and we, we do tend to neglect them a bit, forget about them. Balance. Ooh. This is a really good thing to kind of keep an eye on is how good you are at balancing. Bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of helps just in general, I guess, of posture, come back to posture again. And also, it just makes you a bit more resilient in terms of falling over. So just, you know, when you're doing something, I've heard, you know, like when you're brushing your teeth, do it standing on one leg because you're, 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 you're practicing your balance, but also you're doing, so it's also... Mm-hmm. Whilst doing a movement at the same time, sort of. Yeah, it's also good for your coordination, for your brain. Yeah. yeah. You're having to think oh, about it. It's like patting your head and yeah, yeah. You know, rubbing your tummy, that kind of, which is good for your kind of keeping your brain in good shape. So while you're washing your glassware. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm now trying to think of another conservation task you do standing. (laughs) Do it on one leg. Yeah. Just whenever you're doing something, you can just see if you just. Stirring your dyes. (laughs) So yeah, just like picking one foot off the floor and then the other leg and just see. How, or also closing your eyes stand on one leg you might think oh this is easy but close your eyes mm. and then that's interesting because you're taking away one of the so balance is based on your inner ear your your visual system and your kind of your muscular system mm-hmm. that your your awareness of body and space and if you take one of those away the easiest one obviously is to close your eyes then you're kind of thrown into a bit of a you're thrown off balance literally so it's mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good challenge to try and stay balanced 
but when you've had your vision taken away. Yeah. Also, I've got a body scan. So this is kind of like a thing that also you do in sometimes in meditations, if anyone's ever done any meditation. So it's this like from the top of visualizing from the top of your head and just kind of like imagining a light scanning through. And it's, it's just a, an opportunity to notice what's hurting today and then what's not hurting today. Also to take notice mm-hmm. of what feels good as opposed to what feels bad. Because we tend to ignore our bodies until it mm-hmm. starts hurting. But it's kind of encouraging you to oh, then yeah. say, well, actually, <laughs> m- my right arm feels amazing today. But, you know, unless it's, you don't normally take notice of that unless it starts you know, causing you pain, which I guess is the whole point of pain. <laughs> That's lovely, though. Then squats. So ah, squats. Uh, yes, back to the squats. I'm interested in these definitely as well. I like the Chloe's like, yeah, squats, and I'm like, squats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two different reactions to the word squat. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> quite a simple thing to do. But apparently it has a lot of benefits and it's just kind of strengthened. Like your leg and your bum muscles, they're like the biggest. Yeah. Your bum muscles are like the biggest muscles in your body. And mm-hmm. they really help you. They help with your posture, with your, I mean, getting, you know, your legs are doing all kinds of things for you all day, like getting up and getting out of chairs, getting out of bed, yeah. standing up, sitting down. Yeah. So just squatting, you know, just whenever you've got a bit of time like waiting for the kettle to boil for example that's my go-to kind of (laughs) waiting around thing so what what uh format of squatting Mm. (laughs) would you suggest it sounds good it's literally just as if you're going to sit down Mm -hmm. and then coming back up so it's Mm -hmm. like imagining that you're sitting on a chair so you could even start if you're not sure how to squat just stand in front of a chair sit down on the chair and then stand up again Mm -hmm pretty much a squat and then do it without touching the chair you don't have to go too low because then you start kind of comp- you start compensating with your spine and stuff mm-hmm. so don't go so low that you start to round the back only go as low as that your your back stays kind of in a neutral position mm-hmm. okay so it might not be very low at all depending on your mobility yeah that doesn't matter and then just keeping you know quite a, you know a bit wider than hips of your feet or you can go even a bit wider and stable stance depending on your hip mobility as well you, you might need to turn your feet out a bit more just experiment with it a little bit to help where it feels comfortable mm. and then just try and keep your knees facing the same direction as your feet look in a mirror when you're first starting out and because sometimes your, your knees might be coming in or going out one knee's coming in when you're squatting and you might it will feel fine, but actually when you look at yourself, you're doing something weird. But, I mean, just doing a, a, quite a shallow squat mm-hmm. is fairly straightforward and can't really go too wrong with it. What's the homework then? Would you suggest like 10 in a session, as it were? Yeah, a set of 10 is normally a good. Mm, okay. okay, I'll try that. I mean, you can go as slow as fast as you want. You know, mm. you might... I think for knee pain and all that kind of thing and any other kind of weird hip pains, that kind of leg strengthening exercise, I think, is really beneficial. All right, guys, you heard us. We're going to do it. You should do it. Mm -hmm. Just give (laughs) it a go. Just give it a go. Doing it. Come on, everybody. Let's get up. Or not necessarily because a lot of this you can do in your chair. Yeah, that's true. There's 
one more, but it's a relaxing one, is Ooh. putting your legs legs up the wall. So Ooh, lying down, yeah. elevating your legs. It's really good because you're taking all that pressure off your feet and the veins mm. in your legs. So everything mm-hmm. is just having a rest because your legs, your your veins pumping your blood around your legs is working all the time. And Thank you so much, Emma. It's been lovely. Thank you. And thank you for your wonderful ideas of what we can do and your advice and stuff. I hope it gets us all moving. Dear Jane, do you have any job hunting strategy for recent graduates who've had their career derailed because of the pandemic and feel uncomfortable going into private practice on their own because of their lack of experience? Dear Anonymous, thank you for your question about your derailed career. First of all, and I know this is going to sound difficult to accept, but you've got to work against talking yourself down. There's no one who's graduated in the last couple of years whose careers haven't been affected by COVID. There's no one working in conservation whose careers haven't been affected by COVID. Indeed, there's basically no one in the world whose careers haven't been affected by COVID. So although it feels extraordinarily difficult for you and that it feels that the COVID has impacted you at an absolutely pivotal moment, try to hold on to the fact that everyone is looking at this the COVID period from their own perspective through through their own eyes. And they will all be regretting time that they didn't spend in their labs or in their studios or working in their galleries. And that's a common sense. Now, if you want to be influential in your job hunting, you've got the option of either saying, I'm different from you, I suffered from it worse, or saying, in common with you, I experienced the COVID situation and this is how I got through it. And hopefully you can hear in those two what, which one is more persuasive, that coming at this explanation to future and would-be employers by saying, this is what I did to get through the COVID period and still study conservation. That's, in my honest opinion, it's your key selling point, full stop. Now, if you look at what ICON did, they did a survey of employers and asked them what skills they're looking for in, in graduates. And of course, they want bench work or preventive conservation skills, but they also want pretty much identically as important. They want resilience and adaptability and problem solving. So when you look at your skill set, okay, you've got less lab work than you might like, but you've probably got more resilience and problem solving than students of other years. It's not about being Pollyanna. It's not about pretending it was all great because it wasn't. It's about making the most positive things out of the situation you've been in. And if a future employer can see that you're doing that, that will make you more employable. Then there's a couple of other things I wanted to say. You said that you were uncomfortable going into private practice. And I think setting up a private business is, yeah, of course, terrifying, particularly when you're new. But that doesn't mean that you can't do private work. Are there opportunities for you, for example, to help out on a short-term basis with another private um, practice? Is there a private practice near you that you've networked with through an event or a conference or through your study that you could see if they could take on short-term work? But also, sometimes employers bring in several people to do work. When I was a student, one of the things I did was assistant condition surveying, working as an assistant to a member of staff. It was not high level and technical stuff, and it was a right pain in the ass to drive there. But it was, it was money, and it helped me pay for my degree. So don't sort of completely give up on private work, even if you can't set up a private practice. The other thing that has been taking off a little bit in the UK, and I don't know where you are, is community interest companies. And if there is anything like that near you, look into it. 
So then what else can you do as a recent graduate? I think that the other thing I would just say is that when you're job hunting, you have to be a salesperson for yourself. It's really difficult. I know the feeling I get through, you know, if I'm going to sort of sell myself, I get through the first two points and then I just start to get embarrassed uh, and conversational and think, well, this is an interesting exchange. Instead of really going over and over why I hit those particular person specifications exactly on the head and why I'm the best person. And, uh, you know, this is something you need to practice. I don't think there's many people for whom this comes easily. And if you are feeling uncomfortable about going to private practice and worried that you've been pushed aside because of the pandemic, then my, my suspicion is that, is that it doesn't come easily to you. So another thing for you to do is go and practice being not boastful, but really forceful about your own achievements. And goodness me, that is uncomfortable. And don't just do it for three minutes. See if you can do it for 30 minutes, because when you can do it for 30 minutes and you know, I don't mind if you go off and die of embarrassment after that. But if you can do that with a friend, with a, a peer, someone else that you studied with, but perhaps someone you're not trying to go for the same job as. If you can practice doing that, talking about your achievements and how good you are and how you've met all these various criteria, then maybe you'll get somewhere. So look through the criteria, the kind of jobs that you want, experience the knowledge of the sector. How do you demonstrate that? They're going to ask you probably about equalities and health and safety. How do you demonstrate your ability to deliver those things? And yes, they probably will have a question about practice. So then you have to ask yourself, do you have any skills there at all? What can you show? You probably can write a significance assessment. You can do documentation. You can do recording, photography. Those are things that you don't have to have done in college. If you can do them, do them now. But volunteering and work experience, it's a conflict, isn't it? Should you work for nothing? Well, basically, no, that's really basically wrong. However, you need to make the best decisions for your career. Is there a skill set that you don't have? And is there a targeted and beneficial to you way of getting those skills? You'll only really know this by plotting your skill set against the jobs that you'd want. And if you don't have something critical, then take some time to think about how you might build those up. It's not always the case that you have to volunteer to do that. It might be that you can build up a skill set by targeted employment in non-conservation sectors. It does depend because I don't know what job exactly is that you want. But, you know, is there a craft based and artistic and educational and interactive or front of house role that you can go after to build up your, your knowledge of the sector? In the end of the day, conservatives are appointing people like us. So sound like a people like us. Find out what it is that people like them, the ones that you want to get a job from, are looking for and do as much as you can to show that you've got it. So there is my advice. I know the pandemic was tough and I am not belittling that in any way. I saw how it it changed the way that we all experienced conservation, but it affected us all. So focus on what you did to survive because I think that's your way through. I hope that helps. Over and out. If you're enjoying The C Word and would like to support our work, then please consider becoming one of our patrons. For as little as $1 per month, you can help us keep our episodes online and more of them coming. Patreon helps us meet our regular costs for the show, and also to plan ahead so we know roughly how much of a monthly budget we've got. That's super helpful when you're trying to do something special like buy a better microphone or save up to go to a special event. Your support also helps keep us free of advertisements. In return, our supporters get access to our archive of extended episodes, which you can only access on our Patreon page. Yeah, for that $1 a month, you get a little extra audio enjoyment. We've crunched the numbers, and it's about 10% extra content on a regular basis.
one's not bad for less than a cup of coffee, eh? If supporting us sounds like something you'd like to do, then head over to patreon.com slash the C word and join our bunch of absolute champions. Thanks for listening. We're the C word and you've been listening to Emma Lecornu, Chloe Ramsey and me, Jenna Mathiasen. Join us next time for an episode about metals. In the meantime, check out our website at theseaword.co, tweet us at theseawordpodcast, or simply email us on theseawordpodcast at gmail.com. The intro and outro music is Spring by Dee Music, used under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Additional music and sound effects for Callum Robertson. This has been a Wooden Dice production. My dog is in the room. Why is my dog in the room? Oh, oh hello. Oh, he's gorgeous. Hello. <laughs> hello, you massive oh, beast. Come here. Come here. You're going to say hi. You say hi. Yes. Come and see. Hi. Hi, hi baby. Hey, Trev. Oh, no, it's oh.